Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome to the Cancer Answer Show, brought to you in San Diego, California, where we think it's summer, but we're not sure yet. Anyway, uh, but it is a sunny day, so thanks for joining us. Our show is sponsored by County Properties. Uh, yours truly, Arnie Levine, is the host, and I'm also the owner and broker for County Properties. Net local real estate company to help you and your family with all your needs regarding real estate. And uh, the co-host is Stephen Izakovich. How are you, Stephen? Hey, I'm doing good. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And uh, when you get the recording to hear this uh, great discussion right there, you'll, you'll be impressed because now you're involved. Exactly. And mm-hmm. after the show, the show's live, you could call in at 347-215-8709. 347-215-8709. Uh, we do have a guest, so probably we'll spend most of the time talking amongst ourselves, but you're welcome to listen. And you could always do a replay, and it'll be posted on Facebook. If you contact me, you could be a friend at Arnie Levine. And our shows are posted there, or you can go uh, Google it, Cancer Answer, and you'll find it, Arnie Levine, Stephen Zakovich. So our guest today um, is Tara, a a friend of mine, and uh, the topic is Cancer Diagnosis in the Family and its Challenges. So welcome to the show, Tara. Hi. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's hot out here. <laughs> How are you, Arnie? <laughs> I'm do- doing good. I got air conditioning on, so I'm not paying attention to the heat. <laughs> oh, got it. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, we were at the, me and Stephen was at the uh, Coronado yesterday, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't that hot out. It was, but I'm inland like you, so it does get warmer as you get to the ocean, mm-hmm. it gets breezier. So um, oh, yeah. you, you, uh, the reason why I invited you to be on the show was you had a recent experience, and uh, if you'd like to share that about what happened uh, with your family, um, mm-hmm. then, uh, and when we talk on the show, by the way, we're not doctors or experts, we're laymen, but we are advocates, I'm a 20-year cancer survivor, so uh, everything is about what we our opinions, and you should always consult with a doctor. Um, and all cancers are, are different. The treatments are different. There's a couple of hundred different types of cancers. Uh, so now that we said that, uh, so what's going on with your uh, recently with your family? 
Well, um, recently I found out that uh, a family member of mine was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and this is actually the second time that she's been diagnosed. And uh, so right now she's um, trying to figure out what her next steps are. So it's pretty, so it's pretty is, recent. So this is a relapse or is this a different uh, type of cancer or is it a, a, the same cancer but in a different location, which could technically be a relapse? Yeah, it's more of a relapse, Mm -hmm. but um, years, several years later, it came back. So, mm -hmm, yeah, relapse. And uh, that's, I mean, being a, I went through three relapses, so you'd think I'd be good at it. But every time you hear, uh, when you hear from the doctor, well, when the oncologist calls you, it's not good. (laughs) Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Mm-hmm. If it's business and as we usual, through, uh-huh. go, ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that, um, you know, it's we're all supporting her and letting her know that, you know, if, if she needs us, that we're here. And so we're all doing this waiting with her. And she did get a call from the oncologist and uh, went through that uh, appointment and then she was referred to another doctor for a second opinion, and now she has her, her treatment plan. And so, you know, I, I guess I could say luckily um, she she only has to do uh, radiation, and I say only because she doesn't have to do chemo. Well, that's a big, that's a big difference between two challenges, and you're right, it's mm-hmm. still a challenge. Um, it is a challenge, but- yeah. Uh, but compared to chemo, <clears throat> depending on the radiation treatment, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot easier. Is she having targeted radiation, or is it a um, a general area that they cover? Do you know that? You know what? I don't have that information. Um, that's, okay, that's a very good question. I don't I don't have that answer for you. Okay, I understand. Um, so. Recently, when I had my relapse, um, I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, so chemo was the treatments. But this last time I was lucky enough to, and I say lucky because I didn't need chemo, which was, like I said, a big challenge before. So they said, well, we're going to do targeted radiation because you only have it in a small area. So that's why they have... Mm -hmm. uh, non-targeted radiation for different types of cancer, which covers a bigger area and there's more side effects. Then they have targeted area, which for me at UCSD, they gave me cold proton therapy. So right now you're not sure, but I'm just letting, you know, because part of this is not just only share your experiences, especially as a family member, because you only get pieces of information. It's be able to share what we know uh, because Stephen's been doing this with me for, I think, going on five years. So we, we learned a lot talking to oncologists and like that. So it's, but to go, going back to uh, what you were saying, so the um, the biggest thing for your aunt and the family was that it was a relapse and you guys didn't expect 
expect that, I'm assuming, from the way you express that. No, no, we didn't expect it at all, actually. Um, you know, it was more of a more of something that she found, went in and got it checked, and it was confirmed. Um, and, you know, you know more about the uh, the exam process and, you know, the weight process and, you know, finding out what your next steps are, which, you know, I, I know that you've been doing this show for a while, but I would like the information on, you know, if you could educate me a little bit on, you know, the targeted area versus a large area, because like I said, I don't, I don't know. Um, and right. how that could affect her and what I could do to um, help support her during this time. Well, the, to start with the, the biggest problem and challenge is always uh, number one is, is the fear of the unknown and the fear of the unknown, the way that uh, the way our ego works and the ego is a tool. It's a machine to keep us basically survival mode. <clears throat> so it's a good tool and it's a bad tool. It could, it could go against us with fear, too much mm-hmm. fear, but it's an alarm system. So it says concern and, you know, be fearful. So part of the problem is, is when you hear the words you've been diagnosed, fill in the blank is this unlimited infinite questions of what if, and what about this? And what about that? And then that escalates into panic and fear. And that's common. That happens to the four times I went through it. I thought I would be good at it by the second time. And no, the second time was worse because I thought I was cured and I didn't have to deal with it. And then I had to learn the particular kind of cancer I have as of this day that they don't have a technical cure according to the AMA. Um, So it relapses. And I didn't know it from the first time. I thought I was cured. And and then the first time I did very strong chemo because I was at stage four. Oh, wow. So that second time I had to start fresh and listen, uh, listen with what the doctor was saying. I asked questions about, okay, I thought I was cured. So why not? Why is this happening? And then he explained it. Because a lot of times we have the, it's called the white coat syndrome. Uh, we'll be sitting in front of a doctor and he'll be talking and you'll hear blah, 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 and then hear a specific point and then blah, 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 blah. So it's very important that uh, it, it's your aunt, correct? That it is. Your aunt, that your aunt has somebody with her. Because um, even if she records oh, it. Sometimes it's emotional. Now we could record on a cell phone, but it's important to have somebody else there so you, we could talk back and forth and make sense out of what the doctor's saying because sometimes, a lot of times, auditory, we retain 10% uh, mm-hmm. of what we, we hear. So writing it down is very good. Um, and then it's really getting more of the questions about the therapy instead of just blindly going through it. And some people want to do that. So just tell me what to do. I'll show up and doing it. But that puts a big gap in a strategy towards um, the treatment plan. And the treatment plan is not just the doctor's plan. 
my my oncologist told me he goes you know this is not a runaway train it's like the train has a conductor and gets instructions and basically the doctor is the conductor i, I mean the uh, sorry i meant the engineer and and it's for us to be able to talk with the engineer to making sure that we are part of that plan instead of being passive so that's um so i'm assuming that part you have handled so she had someone to support and be there with her. Uh, yes, and the waiting my period mom and her sister. And the waiting period is difficult because they have to stage and they have to diagnose the cancer type, making sure and stage. So uh, did they finish that already? This they talk about the stage that she's at, or is that the process one. of waiting? Yeah, Excuse me. One, one stage one. State. Stage one. So there's four stages, um, and stage one is a good stage if you're going to have a stage. Because yeah. the earlier, the better. The survival rate is very good today with a lot of the technologies. There's no guarantee with all this, but survival rate, when they measure everything, is based on the stage you're at. The later the stage, the lower the survival rate. And even if you're at Look, I was at stage four. I'm still here. So it's right. not yeah. about the odds going against you. It's just know, knowing statistics. So we have statistics. But the thing about cancer is, is being careful the statistics doesn't have you. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I, I would have wrote myself off many years ago. And yeah. So the survival rate is about pushing that bell curve, that statistic, uh, so that everything is in our favor to live a long, happy life. And that's the opportunity for your aunt because the good news is she caught it early stage. And I've caught every time I was um, diagnosed, I'm the one that found found the, the lumps that were there, really? the tumor. And you get good at it, wow. but you're not perfect. So it's always good to have the doctor check. Uh, and then they do... Okay, with breast cancer, they'll do, uh, you know, breast memory exams, and then they also do CAT scans when you have when you have cancer, so that they could get more precise. Sometimes do a PET scan. CAT scans like mm-hmm. a very sophisticated X-ray using mm-hmm. uh, using a rotating X-ray and getting very detailed images, and then a PET scan is a mixture of a CAT scan and they inject you with sugar, radioactive dye, and you light up like Christmas tree if you have a lot of different tumors. And if you only have like one, like I had the last time, then they just said, okay, it's right in that one area. And then usually what they do is take a sample and they'll probably take the whole node out. Did, did they do a biopsy? Uh, they was, they did a biopsy and um, they actually uh, at this point they've already done the surgery. Okay, so they already took the biopsy out and, yes. and diagnosed it, and then this is the stage, and the next yes. is the treatments. So every that's the hard part too. That part's very fearful, in which you guys. How did you feel going through that? Because it's different days and doing different things and results. 
Uh, well, you know, it's um, it's frightening, actually, because uh, you know, I I told you I lost my grandmother to cancer yes. several years ago, um, and unfortunately, they didn't catch it until stage four with her. It was pancreatic cancer. And, uh, you know, anytime my family hears that someone is diagnosed, it's almost, it's so difficult not to think the worst because of what we went through with my grandmother, but at the same time trying to support my aunt, knowing that these thoughts are going through her head and wondering how she's feeling and just, you know, trying to do our best. So um, it's frightening. It's It's pretty scary, but... We know but that everything is being done that's possible. The most important thing that I heard is about having your small network and then you have a bigger network of your friends, you know, because it's a lot of people tend to start reaching out when they when they hear that someone's di- diagnosed, and, and which is good. Uh, yes. But the immediate network is very important because – then the burden isn't on one person and you see how the fear goes. The fear is kind of like a little virus that floats around and could get empowered or mm-hmm. what overrides that is love. And yes. spiritually spe- speaking, the light works the same way. There's darkness and when you, you bring love or unity, uh, then that allows the fears to diminish because remember, what we were saying before, the ego does have its job to bring up concern, but mm-hmm. you have you have the fear. You don't have the fear doesn't have you. And when the fear starts running away, it becomes contagious. So it's yes. it's always important to have the facts and be able to stick to the game game plan. Uh, and the past is the past because um, the treatments change. Uh, the survival rate changed from years ago, and I understand it, uh, that that is a concern for you. And a lot of times, because of the technology, my goal was, they told me, it's like, well, you know, typically, sometimes people don't make it through the chemo when I would get diagnosed. And at stage four, the odds were against me. Um, if you could live five years, you'll have a survival rate. And the doctor wouldn't answer the question, how long? would I live? And he was right because the bell curve said roughly anywhere from one to 10 years, but he was right because it's 20 years later. Two things <laughs> there we go. Uh-huh. Lifestyle yeah, changed. Uh, a comment. Yeah, I, want, I want to make a comment uh, of what you're talking about, the larger resource group that you're in right there, when the, the fear comes in, we always try to make the Everything that's negative into a positive aspect of it. It's really important that nobody says like, "Oh, you know, this and stuff like that." They always come by and they they negate things like that. And if you're doing okay, and somebody brings in a negative aspect about it right there, that you know, like he's saying right there, that well, we can't tell if you're going to live or die or something like that. Nobody knows when you're going to live or die, but they can only make a right. projection like that. So we're always looking at the positive side that we wake up in the morning. And that's the most important thing right there. And we start the day afresh and new. And the people and the resources and everybody like that, I was always doing the pom-pom dance and all that stuff right there. 
uh, they'll say that everything's in a positive mode right there. There's millions of people that have cancer that recover from it. So the doom and gloom doesn't re- require it to be there and stuff like that. And like with Arnie, you know, and I watched him have the cyclical thing that, you know, he's up and then he's going down and he's going up and he goes down like that. And, of course, he was his own doctor, and I watched when and he told the doctors what to say. So that was always <laughs> a lot of fun right there. But that's being positive and being proactive, and it's very important right there uh, because you want to live, and this is where the ego comes in. It doesn't want to die. It's going to do everything it can right there. It'll bend all the rules and everything right there so it can live right there. So if you have a support group, you want to be able to work with that ego right there is that you are going to live right there. And always we do that reinforcement right there. <clears throat> That's extremely we, we, important. So I'll let it back off to you. We use, uh, so from time to time, I, I will have survivor groups come together, family survivors themselves, if they would just want to be that group or, or family and survivors. And um, when we do that, and that's partly why we created the show, then then we have the unity of understanding about other experiences. And then you start seeing that not just from agreement, you, you actually see different facts from different pieces reinforces the reality that there's a good chance that everything's going to be okay, okay outside mm-hmm. of the thinking, what if this and what if that? So then it becomes a balance because you do have to have the concerns, concerns enough to feel yourself for symptoms, take yourself to the doctor, follow treat, treatment. But you do still have to be an advocate for yourself. And if, you can't, if you're not strong enough to be an advocate for yourself, then the closest to you needs to be an advocate. I'm talking to individuals that are survivors and family members, and that's to be aware of, you know, for to have that perception always in balance. Because when we're sick, we go into hibernation mode. We're walking around, we're smiling, but we're not telling people about our fears and how, how terrible we feel when we go through treatment. Mm-hmm. So the radiation treatment for me was the biggest thing was being afraid of the procedure (laughs) more than the treatment because what I didn't expect was with me I had it on my neck so they had to put like a mask on which they make at a see-through mesh white and then they mold Mm -hmm. it to your face so I did that and it was like okay this is a piece of cake now come in six days and the mold will be ready and then we'll put it over your head to keep your head still. So the targeted, it's surgical radiation. That's for what I had, proton therapy through UCSD, more cancer center. So <clears throat> they target it like down to the millimeter. And they just hit the area where they took the tumor out, which was a little guy. And it was surgically radiated. So I had six treatments, took six weeks. And, but the first time, they put that mesh on me. It was so tight. I felt like I had claustrophobia, which I have in the past. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm not doing my yeah. treatment. Oh. And I, all my adrenaline came up. So then it, <clears throat> the technician talked to me. Then they had a special nurse talk to me and saying, look, you can get through this. And they, you know, without going through all the dialogue, they got me to calm down. They said, okay, if you take, we could give you, you know, like Xanax or a sedative, 
and then you'll be calmed down. I said, that's good. So I wound up taking the Xanax, and they were very patient, kind. And 20 minutes later, I started relaxing. Technicians did everything very slow so that fight or flight or fight, fight or flight syndrome, when they kick in, I relaxed, and then I was able to get through it. And it only took 20 minutes, and it had very little side effects, uh, which was the good news. A little bit of burning in the area and mm-hmm. nothing in my throat. Uh, they thought I might have a little bit of sore throat. If it's that kind of treatment, then it's very minimal. It was just going through the process. And, you know, doing it alone, which I wound up doing, put more stress on me. So having somebody there does make a big difference, even though it doesn't seem like you're doing much, but you're just being there. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, from the experience that, you know, from what I could see her going through. So it sounds like you guys have a good support system. And then we do. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to about faith. Uh, faith of knowing who your aunt is and knowing who, how strong her spirit is, and her faith, and your faith, and your family's faith. And the nice thing about faith is it's contagiously good. So it's, it's called reforming light. There's light that comes from every individual, and it comes from up above. And then that goes through us to everybody around us. And we don't see it, but it's like when somebody is happy and they walk in a room, all of a sudden the room lights up. We've all heard that. That's the light being emitted from that person. And that is the best healer throughout my whole life since I've been living with this, is to be able to give that light to everyone I meet. And when you're sick, you feel... That's very empowering. Even if you can't, you know, you're grumpy and you don't feel good if the treatment is a challenge. Um, but you still are smiling on the inside. So I, I don't know her treatment plan, but I gave you the, you know, different scenarios. Extreme mm-hmm. challenge to something that would be easier. And if it is a light treatment like that, it's about the process. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate and that. So, um, so that's, but it's really nice that you care, you know, about her and you're close. I mean, some people don't have family, and and those are the ones that that have to go it alone, and uh, or hopefully they have friends. Uh, so she's blessed to have you guys. And I know you got a big family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you do know that. <laughs> We're all over. <laughs> yeah, the the and only challenge is um you know, trying to limit the amount of people that can come in the room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's it's good. It's really good and we're a close family and um everybody's supportive of each other and um, and she appreciates it. Everyone appreciates it when they're going through something to have uh, that support system and their family right next to them and knowing that she can call anyone um, at any time, I think is also important to her. So I'm going to tell you a secret that I've told other people, but I haven't told you. If, what is it? 
when somebody asked me, if you could erase having cancer in your life, would you erase it and, never, and in the future, never having to deal with it again? And my honest answer deep inside is, is no. I wouldn't erase, wouldn't change one moment because I know that everything has its purpose and thanks that there is a higher power that I, I know that. And I did not start changing. And people do change their, their spiritual philosophies when they're sick. But I was already involved in the spiritual quest five years before I got sick in an intensive way. So when I did get sick and thinking I was going to pass away, I was okay with it because my body was very sick. And throughout, since that time to going on till this moment, it's the opportunity of making a difference with a gift that I was able to appreciate more, which is life itself. Mm, okay. I and appreciate the, you telling me that. And you guys having family is so important because it's a, always a celebration, even though they're crazy at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Everybody's like, you know, it's not and, just Thanksgiving when they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but there is well, that. Okay. But that laughter you have because you're you're a mommy of a big family. Um, is that that is the enlightenment that is evoked because of having family. It's those connections of unity. So that's it's very important. It's a spirit. It's an actual spiritual mechanism, which creates re, called reforming light. So the light glows from you to your children and beyond, and it's very powerful. And people underestimate that because it's like a praying. What's that going to do? It's not the act of the prayer. It's the act of the unity that evokes the prayer to manifest. I like that. Thanks Um, for telling me that secret. Yeah, we had a friend that Stephen just met for the first time yesterday. And I hadn't talked to this friend for about six years. We were in a band together. And uh, she told me, I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. I just finished my chemo. And... She was here to talk about it and on the other side. Well, that was it. Thank you, Tara. It's the end of our show. You're 30 welcome. minutes went quick. That and did. Tara. I hear the music. All right. <laughs> We're going to heaven this time. We're rocking on the way. All right. The show, show is sponsored by countyproperties.net, local real estate company. Thank you for joining. Hey, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. You're welcome. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.